0: Welcome to The Edge of Act, the podcast where we explore the intersection of human stories and business success. I'm your host, Carolyn Crawford, and I'm thrilled to have you join me as we explore the minds of entrepreneurs, marketers, and visionaries who have mastered the art of alchemizing their personal journeys into their business success and learn how you can apply what they've learned to your own business. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply someone fascinated by the power of human stories... The Edge Effect is here to offer you insights, inspiration, and a fresh perspective on what it truly means to make your mark in the world. Get ready to be moved, motivated, and challenged as we embark on this incredible journey together. So let's begin. I'm Carolyn Crawford, and this is The Edge Effect. All right. Hello, everyone. I am with the fabulous Caroline Malloy, book coach and owner of The Right Malloy. Caroline helps women who dream of writing nonfiction but have held them back. From this success. Caroline, welcome. I'm so excited to learn more about you. I'm glad to be here with you, Caroline. Awesome. Okay. So I'm actually, I'm so excited to talk about what you do because book coaching, I don't think a lot of people realize exists. So I definitely want to dive into that a little bit. I also really love your messaging and how it's so clear. You help women write nonfiction. And so I wanted to first start out by asking you to define in your, in you, in the context of what you do, can you describe nonfiction for that female business owner? Does that look like memoirs? Does that look like an art? Like, what does that kind of look like for
1: them? Um, it really, it's broad. So mm-hmm. I work with any woman who is, has that feeling of wanting to write a book, but about something on which they are the authority. Right that's that's the catch. You are the authority in something whether it's a life experience you've had, whether it is an aspect of business, whether it is a topic or a hobby. Um you you have that sense of like self-awareness and self-assurance and my writers tend to be in that moment of like I should write a book, but now what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right how do I do that? I'm the authority on marketing, but I want to write a book on it, and I'm not a writer, right? Mm -hmm. So that's space. um, And so nonfiction can be really a range of prescriptive help, um, memoir, or kind of general historical nonfiction. Um, So I work with um, some scholars as well, and academic writers who are trying to write kind of that lane.
0: That's so interesting because and the reason I asked, right, because everyone or I think most people know what nonfiction is. But like, I think from your standpoint and because your audience is geared towards that female um, and it doesn't even have to be a business owner. It can, Like you said, it's scholars. It can be anyone who feels that they have an authority on something. Do you find that it is a lot of business owners? Do you find like what are you finding that like? Why are people kind of inspired to write this sort of um this sort of style of writing that you help them? Sorry, oh my gosh. <laughs> Just broke up my voice a little bit that sure. you help navigate them through.
1: Um, I think a lot of times it is the sense of wanting to take that next step and break through, particularly for business women who have already say, you know, pushed into an industry maybe that they had to fight harder to advance in or weren't, were, you know, were the only voice in the room who was from a marginalized group or, or female or whatever it happens to be. And, and now this next step writing that book is kind of driving them forward. And I feel like I completely just missed the direction of your question.
0: No, no, no. That basically answers it because it really is. And I'm curious to know like why, why, Did you decide to go with the medium of a book? Because that I think spinning off of what you just said about like, you know, it's people who've had this deep experience that impacted their life in some in whatever way, um, or witnessed an experience potentially or learned about it, something like that, right, it could be different perspectives. But to go so far and say, you know, I I need to put the story out there. I want to write a book about it. You know, that's a that is a very specific medium. So I'm curious to know why you chose that medium.
1: So my background is actually actually in academics. So I'm a professional historian by trade. Um, I spent way too long getting my Ph.D. And ironically, I hate writing. Um, <laughs> one of the reasons I got out of formal academia was because the writing component was something I just really didn't enjoy, Oh, interesting! Um, but I have all of these like skill sets to do right. it. Um, and so there are people, and I, I, I'm glad you really brought up this point. There are people who want to write a book. And one of the conversations I have almost with every author I've ever worked with is trying to explain to them that not everyone feels the way they do,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because, I don't want to write a book and people who do want to write a book think everybody wants to write a book. Yeah. If you want to write a book, like that is something that you're tapping into something that is specific to you that not everybody feels that way. And so you should lean in and you should do it. Um, And so for me, that's, that's where that space is. I can help you do that because I, I know how, but I don't want to, you do, which is great. You do all the hard work. And I will kind of get you from start to finish on it. Um, And it's a really nice relationship.
0: I think that's really beautiful. And I think also very relatable point of, you know, a lot of people, people don't always want to and like they just and it's and it is a hard part. And and that's why even the concept of a book coach. Right. And is that that's fair to call you a book coach? Right. That is the title. Okay, perfect. So can you explain for people who may not be familiar, what a book coach is? What does that process look like for them? I mean, you kind of shared just now, you know, they want to write a book, they but that's as far as they've gotten, essentially.
1: So it's really taking them from concept to to publish. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as a coach, I mean, I do, in some ways, I think there's, you know, there can be, A coach for everything these days, and that can Mm -hmm. kind of dilute the message. But when you think about whether it's an executive coach or like a fitness coach, but people go to coaches because they trust a professional to have the skill set, the kind of accountability mindset, motivational tools, drills and exercises, experience in that world, and bring all of those together to serve the client. And in this case, to serve the writer. So as a coach, I bring all of that. And most of the writers I work with, not all, but most of the writers are really kind of ideating on their book and they have this idea and they don't know where to start. And so I start with writers and we go through really like a set of exercises. Like you would, if you hired a trainer to help you run a marathon, right? The trainer's not going to run the marathon with you, but they're going to tell you how far you should run every week, how many burpees to do, how many workouts you should get in. So my process with writers at the beginning is always that here's the exercises to do here's how many days a week you should work on it here's what the outcome should be after a short period of time then we check in on your you know quote-unquote fitness level where's mm-hmm. you know where are you and then do the writing and then I'm there to kind of motivate and be accountable and and be a sounding board through the writing process mm-hmm. and then in non-fiction most of my writers wind up having to write what's called a proposal Mm -hmm. So if you self-publish, you don't need a proposal, but if you work with a collaborative or a hybrid publisher, or if you want to go traditional or academic, university presses, then you need this, like, additional document that explains everything. And so I work with writers through that and help them really get it in the hands of publishers. So I really go from, you know, I want to write the book to I have this full book and I'm shopping it around and and getting it published. The whole process, like basically someone they can lean on the entire time. So they're never in the dark alone. Yeah. I mean, really, I, for the reference I use a lot for people is it's like hiring a coach because you want to run a marathon, right? It, it is writing a book is a marathon. It's a yeah. long distance race. It is a long slime to train for it. You don't just yeah. train for a week. Um, And, you know, some writers work with me at the start and finish some writers all the way through some people come to me, they've already written a book, and we just work on a proposal. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of kind of moving pieces.
0: How interesting. And I think that like I said, the concept of a book coach, it like you said earlier, right, of coaches, like the, the coaching industry has just blown up, especially in the past few years. So like mm-hmm. the word coach can feel a little diluted sometimes. Yeah. But like you said, it really is training them. It's really showing them the ways, giving them the tools they need with, via your experience or knowledge or whatever that looks like. So I think that's really interesting. I'm curious and kind of going back to what you shared a little bit earlier in the, in our conversation of, you know, women have a lot to say, and I'm curious to know why you decided for your own brand and for your own coaching business, why did you choose the female bit? Well, again, it doesn't have to be business owner, so I won't share that, but why, why the female space? Why is that something that's so important for you?
1: The answer is really easy. I want more nonfiction on my own bookshelf written by women. And it doesn't matter if it is standard narrative nonfiction, if it is business related. I don't enjoy the fact that if you walk into your local bookstore and you go to the business section and you look at the titles, you know, the majority, I, I mean, I don't know what 70, 80% are written by men. And that's all fine. And there's great books out there. right? But there needs to be more women writing this kind of book. There need to be more women writing history. There needs to be more women writing self-help nonfiction. And not just women are so easily marginalized in the publishing world into like, you have a trauma memoir, right? Mm -hmm. Women, let's write the trauma memoir. right? And and that's an important story. And I'm not devaluing it. But in terms of who gets to publish what. I want more women writing more kinds of awesome nonfiction. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's it. It's that's the brand.
0: I mean, I, I think that's such a beautiful answer. I also am 100% in agreement with you. I think to, you know, a marketing tactic, if you will, for lack of a better term for this is, uh, and not unrelated to books. This is, doesn't just go into the medium of book. This is across the board is, you know, for every brand, it is boosting your authority. And you even mentioned earlier, it's like, it is some, your story is what you have authority on. And that seems to be the focus. Right. And so, and it's true, like in the business world, there aren't a lot of women talking with authority unless it's that I've seen certain things, but it's really like, like the, the, the chances that you're going to see a full bookshelf of women is just, it doesn't exist. So I really love that that is a focus. And that's something that you're very clearly passionate about. I'm curious, because you also mentioned earlier, and also in your messaging, you know, you help people get unstuck in this process. So can you share a little bit about why, from your perspective, like why you think women writing these types of books is so rare, um, or hard to find, and what kind of challenges are holding them back?
1: Well, I think, I mean, imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. as much as it is overstated, cannot be overstated. Right. Um, And if you have fought long and hard to establish your authority in your field, in your business space and whatever it is, and then you shift over to writing a book about it, man, that imposter syndrome comes on hard. Mm -hmm. Um, So there is that getting stuck, like, you know, do I have the authority to write a book about the topic I have authority on? And, And that's a really common hurdle for writers that I work with. Um, the other thing in terms of getting it published, right? You mentioned kind of that shelf of of women business leaders. The women that we see writing those books, they're the ones that are already lionized, right? Um, you're, mm-hmm. who's, and now I'm going to lose the name, Who who's lean in, right? That's um like the handful of famous women who became the CEO of whatever, right. they get to write the business book. But what about, Women who have had various other experiences, women who have seen what it's like to work through certain challenges mm-hmm. in a corporate space or in an entrepreneurial space. yeah Those voices need to be out there too. Women who've developed methods. Um, I mean, think about like Atomic Habits that everybody's reading right now. James Clear's right. book, awesome book. How many women do you see writing method books of your mm-hmm. strategies? Not a lot. Um, I will tell you, Almost every woman I work with in the entrepreneurial and business writing world quotes Glennon Doyle and Brené Brown at me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They begin and they end there. They need, there needs to be more than those two. Yeah, it's so um, Women who write memoirs, they all talk to me about wild by Cheryl Strayed. Mm-hmm. There needs to be more than that. So that's, you know, I think publishing like so many industries prioritizes men's voices as the authority in those spaces yeah um, which is why I think it's really great that there are small presses indie presses some collaborative and hybrid presses that are prioritizing women's voices um mm-hmm. so making those connections too is really important
0: I really love that I think and I think you made so many great points imposter syndrome obviously everything I think everyone can relate to I most certainly can yeah but I think to you know you mentioned a few people and they're all in the self-development space like you said and yes you you I don't think I have seen one in the business space at all like and, and granted I maybe there are and I haven't heard of it that's fair but I I think you're so incredibly right about the fact that like, Men have just been given this authority in the space, and not to devalue what they're saying or doing doesn't mean that it's wrong. But uh, you know, there are so many women who have faced a lot of issues in within the course corporate space, like you mentioned, right? And just those experiences or see things in a different way, and it's just those are important perspectives that need to be shown. And that, and I'm curious to know you know, you mentioned, again, you mentioned uh, imposter syndrome. At what point is it really just like, is it as simple as, I hate to say the word simple because the process isn't, I, I know from firsthand is not simple, but like, is the process almost as simple as recognizing their own authority or is it something a little bit deeper than that? What, what process? Sorry sorry, the process of like switching that from that imposter syndrome that's holding them back from writing the book to where they can really understand
1: and see the value in what they're saying with the book. Um, My job as a coach is to basically be there to remind you that it is possible that, Mm -hmm. that you started this journey because you have the authority. And when you're sitting on your own and you're working on it, it's really easy to let that inner voice take over. Sure. When you have someone on the outside to be there to hold you accountable to what you've already told me right and that's that's Mm. the relationship I have with my clients you know I I, we work together in the beginning and and they tell me these are my goals this is my authority this is what I know I can do and so I'm not just some random person who's like oh yeah it's awesome right I'm not your friend Mm. I'm not your your cousin who like wants to read the draft and is going to tell you it's awesome I'm the person who's there saying, you told me this is why this is a good thing. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I'm reading it objectively and I'm going to tell you when it's strong and when you're challenged and you need to work on something. But I'm also going to bring your own words back to you and remind Mm -hmm. you, you you got into this because you know that needs to be done. Mm. That's that's, I think one of the values of working with a coach, whether it's a book coach, whether it's an executive coach, right? That's what we're all doing is holding you accountable to what you already know inside.
0: I think that the way that you put that is, is so beautiful. And like you said, it's giving them their words back to them in a way. And I think a lot of people need that more than they probably
1: realize in that process. It's affirmation. It's not just yeah. accountability, but it's affirmation. Right. And It's not, you know, guaranteed affirmation from friends and family. It's not subjective affirmation. Can you or can't you trust me? Right. It's, You know, you get that and you get me, but you also, I'm going to bring you back into this and say, Hey, this is, this is why I'm thrilled to work with you because you're the authority. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that. Yeah. I love that so
0: much. I, I think too, like, you know, like when, when it comes to women in this in just business in general, right. And again, talking about authority, I think so often we forget why we started we forget why we're here and I think and part of what this why we're here talking right now is to bring out people's authorities and to showcase that they you know your competitive edge if you will which I talk a lot about with like clients and things like that is (laughs) is really your story it is your authority why do you have to talk like what are you saying that is different from someone else. And it doesn't have to feel so much pressure on top of that, by that question. That's not the intent of that question. It is, like you said, like it's just pulling out what's already there. And some of it, okay, yeah, maybe, you know, may, objectively speaking, maybe it's not strong and maybe other parts are not as strong. And that's kind of a par for the course and things like that. And I think a lot of people struggle with that with their own business um, and in communicating that message in their own business. So I'm curious to know from your perspective, because you are a one-woman show. You started your business two years ago, I believe. Uh, yeah, wow. climbing up on three years—it's crazy. Wow, congratulations! That's incredible. Thanks. It's crazy. Um, what has been? How, can you sh- do? You mind sharing a little bit about your journey, especially from the perspective of like this is my authority, and how if you've kind of faced any of your own challenges that you sort of te-
1: go coach clients on. Yeah, um, that's a great question. I mean, in some ways, I mean, so many of us, I think, find ourselves in in any career, in any field, like almost self-therapizing, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as a female professional trying to establish my own authority, I'm well aware of the kind of irony of when I have my own imposter syndrome, My it's literally, I'm, you know, I become my own worst nightmare. Um <laughs> But I started the business, um, like I said, because I didn't enjoy the writing aspect of things. I kind of fell into it by mistake. I was advising kind of people, uh, long story short, people were coming up to me in various semi-academic situations and asking me to look at their books. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't really think there was a space for that. I hadn't heard of book coaching myself. Um, I thought this was like, you need a copy editor or a proofreader, but like, that's not what they were asking for um and so when i kind of fell into book coaching and discovered there's this space in the editing world for coaches um it was a really nice fit but like so many of the writers that i work with at the beginning i felt like i had to be everything for everybody right as a one woman show i'm like what are you writing whatever Mm -hmm. it is right you want to write romance come talk to me you want to write nonfiction? i i'll help like doing everything and and writers when they come to me are always like, you know, my first question is who's going to read your book. And the question is always, everybody's going to love it. Right. It's for women women graduating from high school to like women retiring. And it's like, no, it can't be for everybody. And and when I started my business, I was in that same space of, Mm -hmm. I want to be, I want to support everybody. And over the years, the biggest strength, I think, um, has been kind of recognizing, the spaces where I can be most helpful where I'm most comfortable where my story right if we're talking brand stories like leaning into letting who I am inform my brand inform my clients inform the business Mm -hmm. so that it reflects really where I kind of stand morally and ethically and like I said earlier like Quite simply, it's a selfish business. I want to see more women writing more nonfiction. And and that as a simple concept, coming to that realization really within probably the last year, um, it had been happening anyway. And it kind of took a minute to step back and go, almost everybody I work with has this one thing in common. Yeah. Even though I say I'll work with anybody, I'm finding myself gravitating towards and I'm finding people gravitating towards me yeah. who are women with authority on a topic and they want to write. And and actually when I when I kind of finally honed that in, my husband was like, "But you're eliminating 50% of the population." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, but in, you know, a year and a half, I've only worked with one guy." Not on purpose. Like it right. was just happening. <laughs> and and so, you know, from a kind of brand development perspective, it it was fairly organic um mm-hmm. and then as, you know, I'm sure you know, once you find what that story is that that empowers the business, like, it clicks. And, and every person.
0: I love, I have so many questions and thoughts on what you just shared. And thank you for sharing all of that. Because I think you really unfolded a very organic journey that I think I... From the seat I've been in, so many business owners, including myself, have been through. And I think you start out being like, okay, this seems like a good idea. And then you're like, Let, let's just see how it goes. And again, like it goes with everyone and everything. And then then you start to realize like what kind of comes easier? What kind of, what are you, what's the common thread in all these conversations that I'm having? So the fact that you pulled that out is incredible. And you're, you're still getting 50% of the population and you're also serving a population, according to your husband, right? The, right. That 50% that is underserved in the book world, it seems. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is incredible and that is impactful. I also, I want to go back to something that you shared specifically around um, basically people who are... Or I'm trying to like find my words here, but basically you mentioned you were working with people who were like, I want to be for everyone. This Everyone's going to love this book. I wrote it. I kind of marked it a little bit on my notes here because I think that's such an important piece of the puzzle that everyone goes through. And that doesn't just translate solely to books that messaging that happens with marketing that happens with your business where everyone's like, well, of course everyone's going to love it. This is a great idea. That's why otherwise I wouldn't do it. Yeah. We all agree. We all think so. (laughs) We all, you know what I mean? It's like, that's always going to be the reason. Otherwise you wouldn't be here doing it. And I'm curious to know what has been the process for you or what have you seen kind of be a transformation for people recognizing how they sort of narrow it down. Who's that book? For? Like you said, your first question to them is who is this book for?
1: It's one of the early questions. So mm-hmm. when, when I work with writers, the first five weeks we work together, I, it's a series of questions over five weeks. And, and the first week is, is really kind of a why driven week mm-hmm. of like, why do you need this, right? It, from a marketing perspective, as I'm sure you know, like, why is your brand out there in the world? Like, why do you want to have this business in the first place and that's where I started but then the second question the second thing is who is it for um and inevitably even experienced writers are like they have this big huge chunk of the population Mm -hmm. um and so working on niching that down and and giving examples of why that broader population doesn't work, both from a writing perspective, but also from a publishing perspective, um, is, I think, a really helpful service that I can provide in that mm-hmm. space. Um, you know, quite simply, just as an example, I was talking with someone yesterday, and a new writer, and and she has this book, and she's like, I think it could be great for high school grads, or it could be great for college grads, or it could be great for, like, mm-hmm. women who are like, halfway through their careers. And I was like, okay, but that's awesome. But think about it at 15, right? Even let's narrow it down 15 to 25, a 15 year old girl and a 25 year old woman need very different advice. Mm -hmm. They are facing very different challenges. And yeah, that's awesome that your advice might apply to both. Mm -hmm. But if you pick one or the other, but like magic happens, right? And and I'm sure this happens when you're, when you're building brands with, with your clients, Caroline, like once you target the 25 year old, then your messaging gets tighter, your voice is more authentic, you're able to give better, clearer examples. And then, right, the next thing is, if you're really, really authentically honed in on that tight reader or client, right, then that authenticity that you are able to now generate on the page, maybe it does resonate with a 15-year-old because mm-hmm. they're getting authenticity even if it's not directed right. And I think if you look at really great books, that's one of the secrets. The the example I always give is Harry Potter, Mm -hmm. Um, right? J.K. Rowling does not sit down to write a book that is globally translated and everybody from 8 to 88 reads around the world. No, she sits Mm -hmm. down to write a book for like middle school boys in England. It's a tight, tight group. And she writes such a good book for those middle school boys in England that middle school girls recognize it. And so Mm -hmm. they read it and it's so good at at that middle school experience that middle school kids say in the U S they're like, Oh yeah, that's what it's like to be 11. Right. And then it resonates. And then it's so good that the parents start reading it and they recognize either Mm -hmm. when they were kids or their own kids. And that's how it works. Not, I want to write it for everybody. Right. Because if you do, then you'll only have a little bit for everybody, but I want to write it for this one person. And it's so good for them that other people recognize how good it is?
0: I am obsessed with that answer because I'm such a great example. And as you were talking, I was like, I mean, 100%, this does not, this does not um, have to be just for books. And I think the experience that you're talking about, and I think you even acknowledged it earlier is, you know, it really, that is exactly the, what happens with marketing too. You can't go to everything or everyone it's, otherwise it's just going to be spread thin. It's going to be diluted. You're going to, all of the things and I'm sure in some shape or form translate to that book writing process. And it really is about narrowing it down. And, and because, and I think people, and I'm curious to know your thoughts here. Do you find that people are almost like a little, or are they just more fearful that they're they're going to put all this work into it and only a small segment's going to see it or are they fearful for something else that it's just not that it's kind of going to classify them in a certain way or or basically like what is
1: that kind of fear to choose um I think there's a couple layers I think you touched on two of the three that I'm probably not going to remember now um but I think there is a fear of like it's too small of a group Mm -hmm. And, and I'm sure you see this with marketing as well. And clients like you, you fear that you're going to cut off potential clients or potential readers by focusing in too tight. I think there's also a fear that you're going to pick the wrong one. So, you know, Mm -hmm. if I want to work with, write a book for 15 year olds and 25 year olds, what if I pick the wrong one? And so that it doesn't work. So there's that fear. Um, And then I feel like I had a third example there. Um, which I'm probably not going to remember. But those are probably those are are, but
0: those are two extremely important layers that I think, again, translate outside of just the book writing process, because it really is everyone is fearful that I think the last point you said of picking the wrong one, like, holy crap, that resonates. And that I see a lot of it because yeah, the smaller segment. I think logically people know and understand, like, oh, I'm not I can't appeal to everyone. Like, you know what I mean? Like, logically, I think they understand that.
1: Um, I wish more writers did, Caroline. Uh, they yeah. were like, I want everyone to read Every my single something in it for everybody. And I'm like, I love you, but no. Yeah. <laughs> there's
0: not. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. And like, I mean, that's that is fair. That is a fair point. And I, but I think too, like, you know, again, I'm, I'm speaking from kind of the business marketing side of it for sure. But again, I think there's some complimentary experiences happening because I think when it comes to everyone has these visions for their message and what they ultimately are trying, the impact that they're trying to make. And I think there are, and I'm trying to, I have like an example that I'm like, I can't remember the name so hopefully it comes to me. But basically, it's like there are businesses who probably started out in one area and knew that they could eventually appeal to like, let's just say a business that focuses that started out solely focusing on women. Let's just say that for example, right? They knew that it can apply to, to the male segment as well. But they're just not ready for that yet. That's not what the focus should be right now. And I think that the process that you're talking about, you know, it's not about what can be ready, f- you know, setting it up to so where it is ready for that male segment if you want it to be right. It's just again, like you said, it's harnessing that authenticity so that way who whatever you're putting down, who, what what the message that it's for, they're gonna pick it up, you know, and it doesn't matter if they're in that segment, if they're out of that segment. You just have to focus. It sounds like you just need to really focus on what is the impact? Like, what is really the goal that you are trying to or the message that your story that you're trying to share? Right. And I think that is such an important piece. And again, translates to so many things because we can get caught up in it. But choosing the wrong one will definitely sends people into a frenzy, especially from a marketing
1: angle. Yeah. It's that fear of missing out. It's what if I pick Mm -hmm. this group and I would have had better success with the other group, but Mm -hmm. there's, I mean, there's gotta be, I mean, I'm thinking in terms of like major brands, but something like Apple, Mm -hmm. but if you look at your iPhone ads, your iPhone ads are targeting a very specific market that are, that is much narrower than the number of people who are wandering around talking on iphones it's the markets the people who line up for the new release Mm -hmm. but it doesn't stop your mom and your grandmom and your niece and your nephew from also having iphones even though the marketing campaign is directed pretty consistently towards a a a very niche segment of the population yeah
0: Um, well if you even think about it and this is such a wild example because i mean i just saw the movie air nike did you ever see that movie I haven't seen the movie, but okay. I know what you So, yeah. So, Nike, again, this is a bit of a stretch of an example, but it does, it is true in that they were, they wanted to just focus on um, like a certain segment of their audience. They did not want to venture into basketball or they wanted, if they did, they didn't want, they wanted to put it into certain names or whatever. It was basically everything was on the line. They ended up taking that. That risk, of course, with uh, Michael Jordan and everything like that. So I'm not a sports person. I'm not even a Nike person. So like I'm butchering this entire story 100. But again, that sentiment is still there. Of there, they in the movie again, and I think it was relatively accurate in terms of the generalized experience of they were afraid to choose. They were afraid to take the risk on right. this. And they were afraid to choose wrong because they were like, well, let's just try this. Let's just cut out this whole segment. That's what they were considering, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, you just don't know until you do it. And I think that's definitely true when it comes to business and marketing 100%. You've got to, if, if you constantly are banging your head against the wall being like, I don't know, I don't know how to You just got to choose one and go with it, pivot later. From a book standpoint, how can you, kind of, I mean, again, I know you shared the process a little bit of like giving their words back to them, harnessing that authenticity as much as possible. Can you share a little bit about really what that, that means and what he, and, and how can people kind of keep going back to that authenticity?
1: Um. So, I mean, in, in terms of channeling that authenticity, a lot of it really is what comes in the book, right? If we're talking about specifically, say, business and entrepreneurial writing, women who are you know, coming out of corporate experiences or business launching experiences, um, focusing in on the risks that they have already taken is really key. Um, one of the things that I see as a coach, a difference between, say, my scholarly writers and my more corporate or entrepreneurial writers is that that latter group, is a much bigger risk-taking group, whereas scholars tend to be risk-averse by nature. Mm -hmm. Um, And so pushing one group versus the other, it can be actually a little bit easier to to kind of work with someone who has that entrepreneurial or that business mindset, because they've probably, I'm trying to think almost to a person, they've taken risks in their business, Mm -hmm. they've failed before, and they've picked themselves up and kept going. Um, whereas, say, scholarly writers don't always run into the same challenges. They don't always recover the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean that to dismiss that segment of nonfiction sure. writing. It's a different world. Mm-hmm. Um, so you talk about kind of the Michael Jordan and the risk thing. The risk tolerance levels are really high um, for entrepreneurial and business writers because mm-hmm. they've already faced so many. Um, and so one of one of the things that I think helps keep that authenticity in the foreground is to say, yeah, it's okay. Like you can take the risk and, and, he, and the ability to push through that fear to push through that moment is a little bit more instinctive or learned, um, for women who have already done that in a corporate space or in an entrepreneurial space. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think that, I mean, you just nailed it in terms of so many, so many great points and it's just a matter of, it's just a matter of harnessing that. And like you said, what are, what they know and also from your standpoint recognizing you know the types of the personality types do go into play you know yep. and it really does matter because also too those personality types everyone's personality is going to be different and therefore their authenticity is going to be look different from someone else's and so i think capturing that is is really the is the biggest challenge, even though it's like right in front of your, under your nose the whole time.
1: <laughs> and holding on to their voice, right. Which you mm-hmm. know, as a marketing professional, right. In, in the end, you come in to consult, you come in to guide, you come in to help find the story, totally. but you're not coming in to create a new voice, a mm-hmm. new tone, a new whatever. Like there is the yeah. authenticity of Just distilling you know, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and helping them say, no, 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 this, this really sounds like you, this totally. is um, and for me, a lot of times that conversation is like, we'll talk about the book or we'll talk about right. a challenge and they can explain it in one way and then they'll write it down. And I'll be like, this is a different thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. About why what's on the page and what you tell me are different. Totally. Um, and That opens up real great space for mm-hmm. really improved writing. That's such an interesting point, too,
0: because. The you know what they're telling you and the voice that they're sharing versus what's the what they're writing can be so different sometimes. And I've definitely seen that in marketing and um because we once it kind of comes, push comes to shove and we put our head, you know, we put our head down and write it or whatever. It's like we don't we forget like we it's just like we put our kind of production hat on and we we know what it's there. I'm curious, how do you like? And maybe this kind of just plays into what you just shared, but how do you sort of bridge that gap between their natural voice when they're not, when the pressure's not there, when they're not thinking about it, and sh- and making sure that they, like you said, maintain that voice in their writing.
1: Um, I mean that's kind of a an on the page challenge a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, just from a kind of processed perspective i'm i'm a real kind of in the moment commenter so the writers who work with me when they send me things that are text-based i i do a lot of conversation kind of within the text Mm -hmm. um and so that's a space for me to be like this sounds like you this is this is that voice um this you know i haven't heard this before this doesn't you know this this is a new tone or a new angle what And and my favorite question is why, right? Mm -hmm. Why, why are you going in this direction here? Why is this here? Why is this included? What, whatever, and why is never critical? Why is always, I'm curious, either, Mm -hmm. you know, you need to be able to explain why that is there or why something is happening. Or if you're not sure, let's talk about why you're not sure. And it it appeared. Mm -hmm. Um, so it kind of, it, it's opens up questions on the page. Um, in terms of process. The other thing, I mean, you talk about that kind of like formal when you sit down and write. I also think there is a a sense of like in conversation, how we can talk and you can be authentic and you can be comfortable and you can be yourself. But I think sometimes people have preconceived notions of like what a book looks like, right? Mm -hmm. I need to write in a way that is a book. No, no, you absolutely don't. Um. (laughs) For sure. But so I think there are those preconceived notions of this is how you write whatever that is.
0: Yeah, I think that's such a great point. And again, relatable from a marketing standpoint, because so many people struggle, they're like, I got to use 18 million emojis, I got to like be witty, I got to be catchy, clever, whatever it is. No, you don't, you really don't, you have to write in your you just have to write how you would write. And like, sure, maybe, you know, if you're typing with a ton of typos or like, you know, abbreviated things. Sure. Maybe there's a little bit of room for improvement and whatnot, but ultimately it's not about figuring out what's
1: the formula that's going to work. Cause there really is no code to crack. And it right. sounds, sounds like, the don't same be somebody code. else. You gotta be you. That's what people want. If people yeah. want somebody else, they're following that person. They're already buying that brand. They're already reading that book. Totally. You have something new.
0: Um. Okay. I want to shift a little bit to focus solely on the right Malloy and your own journey. If you don't mind sharing a little bit about how, and again, I know we, I, I shared, I asked a question earlier, but kind of just going back to what have you been doing when it comes to building the right Malloy and, and ensuring that your authenticity is, remains true. And, and yeah, I guess what's important to you from like a marketing perspective or, I don't even know if marketing perspective is, is the right term, but basically just from your seat as a CEO of The Right Malloy, right? What does that look like for you? What's been important to instill in your brand?
1: Um, well, I mean, as a solopreneur, it's been a struggle. I mean, as it is for so many of us, I will say one thing I, I mentioned earlier, I got into this from the kind of academic writing book side. I was fully unprepared for the business entrepreneurial side. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I kind of landed Foursquare square and I, I made a lot of mistakes that you were talking about. It was like, I need to have this many emojis in my Instagram post. Heck, mm-hmm. I need Instagram, right? Like, yeah. There, was, <laughs> yeah, there was a whole thing for me in terms of, of trying, I, I, I actually really appreciate what you were just saying, trying to be somebody else, trying right. to not just be the coach for everybody, but trying to like show up where everybody else was showing up in the way everybody else was showing up. Um, and that was a real challenge for me for the first, I would say year and a half. Um, because as a book coach, the field, if you will, that this, whatever this book coaching world is, it started out of the fiction world. Um, it, it started as I think, um, more or less a space as traditional publishers and agents are doing less and less of the traditional stuff that they used to do. So less editing, less acquisitions, less publication, less support for writers. As as that diminished, in fiction particularly, a space rose up in the editing world to fill that gap. And that's where book coaching, I think, comes out of. So when I started as a coach myself, I was following in the footsteps of other coaches. So I was looking at places that people are going who are fiction writers. I'm trying. To, I was trying to market in, you know, and and engage in particular Facebook groups or writers groups or, you know, writing conference spaces that were really out of sync for nonfiction writers because academics are not in those spaces. Women who are in business who want to write a book, they're not going to their writing group at their local library. Mm -hmm. They're going to work or they're working on their business or they're on LinkedIn. They're not sitting on Instagram They're So for me, finding, letting go of what everybody else was doing because they actually were going in a different direction and trying to figure out how to find myself in the right space. That's really been probably the biggest growth point for me in the last, really the last year. Um, Of figuring that out. I mean, one of the challenges that I have in my own business is that most of the writers I work with aren't really public about the fact they want to write a book, Mm -hmm. right? So if you are an entrepreneurial woman and you think, ah, you know what? I'd love to write a book about my experience doing X, about my experience Mm -hmm. starting the business or being creative or opening myself up to the process or whatever it is. You're not going to a writer's group and working on pages and sharing them with a bunch of people sitting on folded chairs. Mm-hmm. You're not in a meetup online. You're not in a Facebook group for writers and listening to writing podcasts. You're generally not. Mm-hmm. You're in a business group talking to other business women, and probably not mentioning because you're somewhat imposter syndrome that mm-hmm. you want to write a book. And so from my perspective, the space I'm in right now in my business growth yeah. is how do I meet those women where they are because the challenge is to get them to say out loud hey I have this dream um I because they're not yeah. sitting somewhere obviously going hey it's me I was this really successful you know VP and I have this book that I really want to write like no they're not having that conversation
0: I mean uh, you just hit on so so many important points and so many relatable points that I think a lot of people listening and myself included can relate to 100% because that is the whole thing about marketing is and like bringing in those clients. There's a couple marketing is good is there for two reasons, right? It's building a brand, which is different and then getting conversions and sales, right? the actions are going to be a little bit different. You have a little bit just because certain things may, your audience may be attracted to certain things. Right. And like you can go and chase figure or not, not even chase, but just figure out where your audience is and that you do need to consider that you do need to think about it, but also to understanding that the limitations that they may be feeling they may not be like you said addressing they may not be talking about it so at a certain point there they do just need to come through you and marketing at the end of the day is just letting people know what the hell you're up to cuz they can't read your mind it doesn't it could be as simple as like shouting across the street that is marketing you know what i mean it's like it it really comes boils down to that and i think that the way you know, you talk about it, it really is just you recognizing like, I'm here to listen, like, you can share this big wild dream that you feel like you can't have, you know, like with me, and and it really is just a matter of getting that out there. And I think a lot of people struggle with that, because they're like, well, I know they know their audience well. Mm -hmm. But we it's like, there's like a blurry vision almost of like, what's, be- what's beyond the blur of like, okay, I know, I know you're there, but where, with what's happening? How can I actually get through this like kind of veil that exists in between us? So, um, but it sounds like, again, you're thinking so strategically about it and also trying to take your own advice that you give to your, <laughs> to your clients as well, which is so difficult to do. Sometimes, in my, not not- in my experience. <laughs> so hard so hard um on that note so would you say what would you say has been your biggest challenge
1: um my big i mean uncoincidentally my biggest challenge is marketing my biggest yeah. challenge really is you know how, how do i meet writers where they are and i did yeah. i spent the first year and a half going to the wrong places yeah. um really trying to meet writers where they were not mm-hmm. um, and or your so, writers i should say my right right no mm-hmm. plenty of writers I, I, mean, writers, I could find yeah. writers. They just were writers for whom, you know, I am not the right person. I am not the right coach. My my passions do not align with theirs. And so, yeah. you know, finding that space. And, and I think I, I appreciate you saying, you know, it's shouting across the street. For me, I'm still coming to terms with the fact that my best marketing choices really are simply being present. Um, it mm-hmm. really is less of a go out. Um, and simply, Hey, I'm here. Um, because you know, when we talk about like pain points, right, where's, where's your client's pain point? My clients, I know what their pain point is, but they're not telling people. Mm -hmm. So I just really kind of need to be present for that. Totally. And I said, again, such an
0: important point and why I have a distinction between there's things you do for brand awareness and sales. Sometimes what you do for brand awareness is going to support the sales and vice versa as well. Like it's, it all kind of goes down, it all benefits you. It just some things you see earlier on than later. And so from a sales side, like, yeah, it is meeting people exactly where they are. It's certain tactics and things like that to try to capture them. But then, you're, like you said, it's being present. That is brand awareness. That That's just the buildup. And so that's why I always like to ask people, like, what's your vision? And I have this question for you, too. What do you envision the right Malloy? What do you envision your brand? And I always ask this for people. And even when I first started my business, how I kind of decided between clients, if you will, of like, okay, are we a good fit or not, is are you focused solely on the dollar sign or are you focused on the impact that you're making? And that really is the brand. And so just because certain tactics, like I said, certain tactics go to sales and that there are marketing tactics to it. But at the end of the day, marketing boils down to shouting across the street, at the- like just getting it out there in whatever format. For brand awareness, it is basically gr- growing this pool that you have and saying, come on in, like, if you're hot outside, come on in, you know, it's just like, it's just it's constantly building that bigger and bigger as you go. And so that way, when people are ready, you've, you've always been present, you've always been a place that they can lean on. So I'm curious, what is your vision for the right Malloy? Um, Obviously, I would imagine helping even more women um, share their authority and everything like that. But for yourself, even what do you kind of envision?
1: Um, I I don't know. I mean, I think I'm still in the picking up steam and going in in the direction of the vision. I mean, I I I think there is a a real physical answer to that question. Like, I would love to be sitting here on this call and to be able to say that one of those entire shelves behind me was written by my clients. Right? I've got. A handful, actually I had just in the last month, I had another client pick up a publisher and I am like, I couldn't be more excited if I wrote the book myself. And like my long-term vision is to be able to have that shelf, like to manifest the basic mission statement, I think of the right Malloy, which is, I want to be able to point to all of these books that all got written because... I was able to help someone embrace their authority and put it on the page and get it out in the world in a way that is meaningful for them and for other people. And I don't mean that to sound like kind of cheesy and altruistic. Like, no, yeah, no, but it's true. It is true. The goal is to actually have more women breaking through in publishing their nonfiction books. For sure. I I love that.
0: Um, Okay. Well, thank you, Caroline. I want to be mindful of your time, but so I have, but I have one more question for you Okay, is what do you, if, for the people who are actually maybe two questions, for the people who are hiding and not sure, you know, not sure if they're ready, maybe thought one time for a split second, maybe a book is in their future, they have got a story, whatever. How, what would you say to them to help them recognize that it's okay to envision this for yourself? It's okay to say, you know what, I have been the
1: th- I can speak on this. I think I said this at the beginning of our our talk together. Not everyone even has that thought. Mm -hmm. If you have the thought that you should write a book on this, whatever it is, and I'll I'll say the same for fiction, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to, you want to write the next like great mystery series. If, if you actually think to yourself in, in your kind of honest moments, even if it's leaving, man, I'd like to write a book someday. I'd write, I'd like to write a book on this thing. You are already there. And, and, Embracing that and acknowledging that is really important. Um, I, I say to writers, by the time you're talking to me, you're already a writer. Mm-hmm. Because people who don't want to write a book aren't talking to me. Yeah. They're, they're, they're like, what do you do? This, who right. need that. The people who want to write a book are like, oh, maybe I'll talk. Maybe yeah. maybe I should. Once that process is going, you're there. Yeah. Don't don't talk yourself out of it. You're you're yeah. already further. So for all of those listening, <laughs> you can do uh, it. Call Caroline. She's going to help.
0: <laughs> yeah, seriously. Amazing. Thank you so much, Caroline. It was so such a pleasure to speak with you. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. And I think what you're doing is incredibly important and impactful. We do need more women writers. So thank you. Thanks, Caroline. That's it for this week's episode of The Edge of Act. But the journey doesn't end here. We encourage you to take the lessons learned from our guests and apply them to your own entrepreneurial endeavors. As you navigate the ever-evolving world of branding and marketing, remember that it doesn't have to be overly complex. But communicating your brand effectively is an ongoing journey. It requires continuous refinement, a deep understanding of your audience, and an unwavering commitment to stay true to your story, the unique edge that sets you apart. Stay tuned for future episodes where we continue to unravel the challenges of branding and marketing through the incredible impact of human stories. Until next time, keep embracing the edge, embracing your story, and making a difference through your business. I'm Caroline Crawford, and this has been The Edge Effect.